every once in a while they throw somebody from the crew into a film and I keep thinking one day it's going to happen. It came up briefly on the fourth Terminator movie, which is the one no one likes. Um, but I would have had to be naked in a mud pit. I'm like, yeah, I think I can pass on that. Hey y'all, I'm Tommy Tomlinson. And from WFAE in Charlotte, this is Southbound. Conversations with people from all walks of life about how the South shapes who they are and what they do. You might not know Jack Taggart's name, but I'm pretty sure you've seen his work. Taggart is Hollywood's most sought-after costume ager. He could turn anything from a t-shirt to a spacesuit into something that looks exactly as weathered as it needs to be for its moments on screen. Taggart's worked on movies from Inception to Black Panther to Top Gun Maverick to the recently released Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He knows Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie blood, and he's worked so many Clint Eastwood movies that Clint has given him a nickname. I never thought about a job like Taggart's before I saw that he had earned a Distinguished Alumni Award from UNC Charlotte. He talks about growing up in North Carolina as a theater kid, how he got into costume work, and what it's like to work on the set of a blockbuster. Here's our conversation. We should probably start simple. Um, what is it that you do and how is it described, like in movie credits or whatever? What's your title? I'm either listed as a textile artist or a head ager dyer. In the UK and in Europe, they call it a breakdown artist, which is different, but I think that sounds like you're having a mental breakdown. But it's, um, it's a weird job. It's a strange job. I had no idea this was a job when I got into it. As I was saying to you uh, before we started recording, this is a whole world I knew nothing about. Most people don't. I think maybe the easiest way for the listeners to, to understand this is just sort of walk us through the process of how you do what you do. So let's say you get hired to work on a movie. Yeah. Do you then get a list of like all the costumes in the movie that you're going to need to work on and what needs to be done to them? I mean, how does that work? Movies are a special animal. Um, you're constantly working and finding the projects as you go. So I'll get hired on a film, usually by people I know or by word of mouth. Well, now I'm kind of the peak of my fields. I get called on almost everything. But if I can't do it, I'll recommend someone else. But the job entails breaking down costumes, putting a life into costumes that the, the clothes kind of tell you who this person is, what their life is, what their experiences are, what they've been through, what they're going to go through. Uh, there's often stages of that costume they wear at the beginning. Something happens, blood, gunshots, um, alien goo gets all over them. You know, whatever. <laughs> I, 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 work, I work in weird movies. but um, And sometimes you just do normal stuff. So you get a brand new leather jacket. They say, it needs to look like he's had it for 20 years. He's lived in the desert. It's post-apocalyptic. So you have to break down that jacket to make it look like that the first time you see it. So you believe it. And sometimes you do fantastical stuff like superhero stuff, do a lot of the kind of Marvel, DC stuff, <clears throat> that kind of thing. So what happens when you get hired on a film? So the designer and the supervisor know they need things addressed through my hands to make the film work. So I often work, sometimes I work by myself, but I've lately been working with a big crew. So I need to know, does it need to be 
do you need fabric dyed? Do you need things broken down? Do you need things restored? Like you might have a vintage period dress for Angelina Jolie, but it's got shoulder fades on it from it hanging in a costume shop for years. So you need to like restore that and bring it back to life. So I either beat clothes up or I restore them and make them look brand new, like someone's contemporarily wearing them, even though it's 1930. And are you like looking at the script while you're doing that? Or does somebody like the director or producer, somebody seen, send you basically descriptions of how they want stuff to look? Both. Um, ideally, I get the script, I read it, I make notes to myself, and just in your head, you kind of track, uh, this character does this, this happens. Um, clearly, this is not going to be a brand new outfit. This is going to be something. I did a, a film with uh, Tom Hanks called Finch, and it's the post-apocalyptic thing, and we had these hazmat suits. He lived in a hazmat suit because the sun is basically eating through the atmosphere, burning and scorching things. So he has to have that before he's wearing it. It needs to look like it's been through everything. The sun has bleached it out. Uh, there's damage, there's stains. He's living in it in a trailer with a dog and a robot. So um, Hollywood. So um, <laughs> I had to you know, basically create the texture and the fabric so we can make these suits. And you have to make four because it's not just the one. He wears it, the stunt wears it, and he needs multiples to get in and out of. So that it's not like you know, he's sweating in this New Mexico desert. So they might need to change the costume over. So it's more comfortable for Tom to wear that. Uh, but you know, you do stuff like that. But I read the script, take the notes, and then often you have production meetings where you'll sit in the room with the director, uh, the producers, the prop people, the set people, the set painters, um, hair and makeup, and we all discuss each beat of the film, like what moments happen. So that you know, this happens here. Now there's a scene where he gets attacked by a robot or you know, wolves or whatever the story is. And so we all discuss where does he get bit? Where does it happen? Is it ripped? Is it torn? Is it distressed? Uh, is there blood? Is there sweat? Is there mud or dirt or vomit or all this stuff? And so you have a room full of people, half of us with master's degrees, half of us not. And we're talking about the texture of vomit. I did Guardians of the Galaxy 3 this past year. And uh, we had a character who had blood, but she doesn't have normal blood because she's half robot. So she has blood that's kind of like oil. Uh, sometimes you have alien blood and that's not the same. There was a character in it, Adam Warlock. He has gold blood. Well, I had to invent what gold blood is, but I also had to discuss with the prop department, the special effects, what their gold blood was gonna be. So that they match. So the blood on the costume matches what they're doing. I, I have to go back to something you mentioned a, a minute or two ago, yeah. talking about putting like vomit on clothes. Mm -hmm. Is do you have like a go-to formula for making vomit? Uh, um, sometimes, but it, every show is different because sometimes <laughs> it has to be temporary. Sometimes it has to be permanent so that it holds up for the duration of the run, so that it stays on the stunt guy. It doesn't just like wash off. Uh, in Inception, we had a guy who gets shot in the chest and he's sitting in a van and it falls backwards in slow motion in his dream sequence. But it needs to still look like the same blood we just saw. So I had to do permanent paint that looked like wet blood. So you're always kind of like finding a new recipe for that specific project. But you, there's, there's go-to stuff the special effects places have 
you know, materials they sell, like here's instant mud, mix it. You can put the color into it, whatever you want it to be. And that works, but it doesn't always work. Sometimes you have to make something new. Now, are you having to, and obviously you work with the, the costume designers and folks like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have to ever have to go buy like a hundred t-shirts or something for a- Oh, all the time, all the time. And then you have to like dye them a certain color. And then, you know, basically when someone's wearing one outfit, like when I did War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise and Spielberg, he wears one outfit the entire movie all hell breaks loose and shit happens and the sky falls down and they crawl through mud they get shot there's alien goo back to that uh that gets on them and you discuss all these things so you have layers of t-shirts in different stages and then when you're on the set tom will say hey maybe a branch grabbed my shirt here so let's add a rip so you add that in the moment then they have to call back to the shop and say all those shirts that are past stage 13 add this rip i'll bring the photos back so i can match it because everything has to make sense it has to look like it's one shirt right because there are people out there who will call you on it if if it looks different in one scene they love next right that's like that's one of the the fanboys favorite games is you know gotcha so it it sounds like you do work directly with the actors sometimes oh yeah some of the stuff yeah the actors the directors i work in an industry that's full of ego and it's run by fear and terror and um envy but it's also just like you can't let that get to you and i think um just my temperament being who i am and where i grew up has always been kind of calm i like to be the calm in the storm i always say my shop has to be the problem solving shop are there um, particular actors or directors people like that that you especially enjoyed working with over the years like people who felt like they Oh, yeah. They really got what you do. There are people who really appreciate what I do, like Tarantino. It's like, I've always adored that man's work. I think he's a genius. And you worked with him on which I worked movies? with him on the two Westerns. I worked with him on Django Unchained and Hateful Eight. And I love Westerns because that, those, those, that genre really showcases my work because nothing is brand new. Everything is beat up, destroyed. The hymns have been dragged through dirt, dust, just living on the prairie. Um, and Tarantino is like the, the blood king. He has more blood in his movies than possibly anyone else. And I got to work with him for the first time on Django. And uh, we, you know, we have discussions and you kind of work with stuff. And I know the blood he likes to use. There's a certain type of blood he kind of helped develop with. Um, um, wait, wait, there's like a special Tarantino blood? There, there is blood he loves because he uses so much of it and they didn't have it. So the guy who does the uh, Walking Dead TV shows, um, he invented this blood that works and it drips like blood. It doesn't turn pink when you get it wet, like a lot of stage bloods do. That looks like crap when you do that, amateur hour. But he likes the blood that it looks old or it's brown or it's fresh or it's drippy or it's gloopy. And um, so I knew he liked that stage blood because they said, no, go get this. Nothing else works really well for him. And then on the first day on the set, we had to put basically brains and blood into a cowboy hat. Christoph Waltz shot this guy off of a horse and Jamie Foxx as Django picks up this hat, dumps the stuff out and puts it on his head. And that's the hat he wears for the first quarter of the film. Tarantino is in every fitting. He finds the character with the actor with the costumes. And then I had to take that same hat and match it for the stunt and for the double and the stand and 
And you need more than one hat. You can't ever go into a movie with just one item because something might happen to it. Lunch might happen. It might rain that day and you got to switch it out because it's not supposed to be wet. So you have to match exactly that same hat, the pattern of the blood, the spatter, the shape, the dirt, all the stuff in it. Do you have like a, um, basically like a go bag or a toolkit? But what are the tools of your trade, I guess, is what I'm asking. I have so many. My, my actual kit that I travel with when I work and it's been to many continents and all over the world, I have like seven pallets stacked taller than me of boxes of paint and boxes of glues and boxes of fake blood and fake mud and um, solvents and cleaners and uh, tools, um, power grinders and uh, mannequins, like full form mannequins that you can put costumes on and distress them and paint them. And, um, it takes a full size truck to move my kit. When I go to set, I have a set bag and sometimes like a flip bin that I just put whatever I need for the day on the set in that because every day is different. And are you like, I, I haven't been on movie sets and I don't really know kind of how it's structured. Are you on the set the whole time? Oh, or no, no, no. Kind of in a separate place and you get called in? I I usually work in the, the costume shop and they set up an aging and dying area for me. And you know, I have to have running water. And so the costume shop will be like near the set, but not on and the set. Because sometimes on location, the set can be three or four hours away. So when they rush you to set, you're like, okay, how close is it? But uh, when you're on like a sound stage in a studio, usually the costume shop is on this the studio lot. So you just they put you in a little cart and they drive you over to you know stage sixteen. So what I like about my job so much, usually I'm in the shop prepping the next week's work or the next month's work or these special projects where I have to like sculpt something or paint something. They only call me to set when they have to be there. So if something happens with blood, mud, distressing, repair, I go to set. Like I did a movie with JLo last fall. They were just like, get to set, get to set, get to set. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Well, in this scene, she breaks her leg and her the bone is sticking out, but they don't want to cut a hole in the pants too much, but we need to cut a hole in the pants. So you got to rush to set and address Miss Lopez in person and put blood on her. And she's really focused and she's very intense. So you don't want to distress, you know, disturb her. And you don't want to take her focus away, but you have to kind of just be there and be invisible. So you kind of go in like a ninja. I want to ask about two specific movies. Mm -hmm. The first one is, uh, I saw one of your credits is Top Gun Maverick. Oh yeah. And one thing I thought about that was, obviously that's a sequel to a movie that was done 30 or more years ago. 30 years, yeah. So is the jacket he wears in Maverick the same jacket he wore in the old movie? We had to recreate that jacket. Really? Tom owns that jacket. He keeps it in a display case in his house. And so he brought in the original jacket. So I actually laid hands on that jacket, but I had to copy the patches and the fading and the fraying, but not so much because it's aged. It's, it's 30 years old. The, the, the wool, the fur collar is kind of breaking down and wearing away, rotting. So we had to replace that. We started by making a brand new jacket that I could then age and break down because I know how to do that. I'm like probably one of the best people in the business to do leather jackets. I'm kind of famous for that. So we made like brand new leather jacket with what we had, brand new materials. And Tom looked at it and went, yeah, you know, I know it's new. I'm like, okay. So we tried a couple other things. We ended up, we call it the Frankenstein jacket. We went out and bought 
seven jackets of vintage jackets from that era. And then we had to cobble them together and then make them fit him. And then I had to make everything match because sometimes with the seams out, it's a different color underneath and it hasn't got the same wear. So I had to make that all work together. And we had to make like two or three of them because it's not just him, it's him. And he needs a double for himself and the stunt. So, you know, it's an iconic jacket. Everyone knows that goddamn coat. <laughs> and so we got, we had people like examining every still shot of that jacket going, well, you know, this is different. That's different. I'm like, okay. So, you know, the game was on. We had to really deliver that jacket. And uh, in the end, you couldn't tell it from the original. The other movie that popped out for me on your resume was Avatar. Oh, yeah. Which made me sort of top my head because... <laughs> what did you ever do? Yeah. Right. This is CGI mm-hmm. kind of animated movie. So what did you have to do on that movie? That's so funny because the designer on that, Deb Scott, that's other designers say, oh, my dear, you did that little movie, Avatar. Whatever did you do? Because you just think it's all computer generated. Well, they did some of that in the first test of the film when we did the first one. But James Cameron looked at it and went, it just looks computer generated. So he brought Deb Scott in. And we basically made pieces of like, woven raffia and bones and beads and shells and it was an amazing experience because you got to think completely out of the box because i got to make things that no actor was ever going to wear but you could make stuff out of like um, a feather or a leaf skeleton and then they would digitally photograph it in motion and how it moved and then they could manipulate that and expand it make it fit onto a body so there's a scene where Sigourney Weaver is like dying in the forest and the tree roots are kind of growing onto her. And we made that with like this rubber puff paint and sketched out like a leaf skeleton. And then you see what you do on your, on your table and it's like maybe this big, it's like maybe five, six inches square. And then they can manipulate it with a computer. So I was there working with a sketch artist and a computer artist generating raw materials. And then they would photograph that because you want to see how the light balances on that and you know you want to see the the cells and the pores and the detail of a rotting piece of uh, plant and then you put that onto an actor the set was right next to us and we did the first one and i worked on the second the third some of the fourth that are coming out now but you you see the actors and they're wearing a gray suit with dots all over it and there's cameras on their faces and dots all over their face so they're registering a real actor I mean, it's basically what, what we do with costumes and what they do with the actors. You need to film real life happening, real acting, real emotions. So the detail in that, we did the same thing with the costume. You make pieces and there's displays of the stuff we made and it's stunning. In some of the books, they have pictures of the real detailed stuff. And someone could actually wear some of those things now because we made them more practical. But when they were underwater and Kate Winslet's the queen in this new one and she's walking through the water we had to make this cape out of like kind of uh, beads that you would hang in a doorway and you'd walk through like a shower, shower curtain kind of thing sure and we want to see how that moved in the water because you can you can animate but so much you need they needed to register a reference of how this thing would move if it were a cape underwater so we had to make this thing that basically a jangly kind of curtain on her 
that she walked underwater with and she had to be underwater for like four or five minutes in this thing. And my first questions were like, how long do you want those wings to be? You know, just regular length. I need to know because she could probably trip on this and drown. So it's kind of important. It's just a whole other way of working. That's why when people used to say, oh, you know, what's going to happen? Computers going to take away costumes. You won't have jobs anymore. Like, actually, no, they need us more than ever because we need to inform them of what these actual garments would work like. Because when you see animation, it does. It looks like animation. It's gotten a lot better. You know, Jurassic Park and all these films, the avatars, they're really pushing the envelope. But you still need it based on a real thing for people to believe it. When we come back, Jack Taggart talks about a turning point when he started thinking about working in movies, but off camera. And then after a while, I did two or three projects and he went, we need to talk. And he goes, okay. He says, do you want to be an actor or would you like to actually work in theater? That and more ahead on Southbound. Before we get back to this episode, I wanted to ask for a little help with something. If you enjoy Southbound, please give us a good rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast provider you have that allows such things. The more reviews and better ratings we get, the better chance there is that other listeners can find us. But to be honest, I'd just as soon you tell people about Southbound through good old word of mouth. If you could recommend it to just one person you know, somebody you might think would enjoy interesting conversations about the South, I'd be deeply grateful. If you have any thoughts about the show, guests to recommend, or anything that you think might make Southbound better, you can email me at ttomlinson at wfae.org. Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time. And now, back to my conversation with Jack Taggart. I have one question that I apologize for being kind of totally out of left field. Mm-hmm. When I was doing research on you, I looked you up. I saw a couple of photos of <laughs> yeah. you online. You're like a strong guy. You're, you know, obviously you do some working out. You remind me, you look kind of like a, you could have been one of the bouncers in Roadhouse or something. No, you know? no, no. Yeah, that kind of, have you ever done any like stunt stuff or have you been in movies? No, I haven't. Um, Every once in a while, they throw somebody from the crew into a film, and I keep thinking one day it's going to happen. It came up briefly on the fourth Terminator movie, which is the one no one likes. Um, but I would have had to been naked in a mud pit. I was like, yeah, I think I can pass on that. Anyone can be naked, it's fine. But um, when I, I work for Clint Eastwood a lot, I've done, I'm just did his, my 15th film with him last week. Uh, he's, in, he's in Savannah filming it now. And Clint's the most loyal guy in Hollywood. He's just a gentleman and class act. They have a nickname for me at that studio. They call, hey, where's Tank Top? Is Tank Top here? Because <laughs> I'm dying and painting and bleaching things and I need fresh air. So it's outside on the lot. The costume department for Malpaso, which is Clint's company, is on the Warner Brothers lot. So I'm outside beating up shoes and tearing down things and taking leather jackets and putting cuts and scrapes on them. And then the tours would come through on the little carts and all the little trams. And they would like, oh, here's the thing from Friends and here's this from this show. And here's the courthouse where Batman and Robin used to run up to the front door. And our costume shop was inside that building because it's just a fake building, but inside was our department. 
So I'm outside next door to it, and they'd see me, and they go, "Oh, and there's one of the stuntmen working on, <laughs> on stunts." And I'm like, uh, "Okay." So one of the guys, I saw him at the commissary one day. He goes, "So what do you do?" I see you on tour all the time, and I don't know what to say. Who, who are you? I said, "Well, I'm a major dyer." And he goes, "What is that?" Like, um, I take clothes, I beat them up, I paint them, I do this. And he goes. Can I just keep calling it a stuntman? It's a lot easier. Like, okay, call me a stuntman. <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning. So growing up in North Carolina in Charlotte, uh, were you like a theater kid right away? Oh, yeah. I always loved theater. When I was in high school, my best friend and I, Beverly Penninger, we were looking for the theater department at North Mecklenburg High School. They had none. Because a decade earlier, they had a person who taught theater but he used to get high with the students <laughs> and, and they like oh no theater bad theater bad so they get rid of it so we convinced this amazing history professor in my uh, high school could we do a production of inherit the wind the scopes monkey trial and we just do it as a class project so she let us kind of on the auspices of doing a project for history produce this uh, show so i was acting in that the next year, we decided we liked it so much, we did 10 Little Indians, the Agatha Christie. And so I designed the set for that. And um, What do you think it was that drew you to TV shows, movies, theater productions? I mean, what is it that drew you to like want to be a part of it? I just love the medium. I love the telling stories. I love the escapism of it, uh, inventing a world that you get lost in. I, I was a big Star Trek fan when I was a kid. And that kind of stuff and thought it'd be so cool to work on that. And I would say these things and my mom would go, stop it, stop it. No, 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 don't, don't, you need to get a real job. When I went to school in undergrad, I went to CPCC and I entered some of the theater programs because they did summer stock and we had a lot of summer stock that got involved in that. But I took singing, acting, dance classes. And I met Bob Krogan who taught at UNC Charlotte. And he was the costume designer there. And Bob, I decided, you know what? I'm going to pay for my own school. No one's paying for my school. No one paid my way. I was like, I'm just going to go. I want to take out loans, whatever I got to do. I just want to study this. I like this. And I took all the classes and I was, you know, in musicals. I was in uh, Evita and I was in Jesus Christ Superstar and Summerstock at CP. And so I decided maybe I'll get a degree in this. Maybe I'll study this for real. So I applied to UNC Charlotte, got in. Part of the program was you had to take an introduction to costume class, introduction to set class. And because it was theater, we built the sets, we built the shows, we did all the work. I ended up making the plant for a little shop of horrors on set. And, and Bob saw the projects I did in those first classes. And he went, you're kind of good at this. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, thanks. I always knew how to paint, but now I got to go to dance class. And then after a while, I did two or three projects. He went, we need to talk. And he goes, okay. He says, do you want to be an actor or would you like to actually work in theater? <laughs> and, and I knew what he was saying is like, everyone wants to be an actor. There's a hundred thousand people who want to be an actor, but there were fewer people who had the skills that, that I had, the visual arts and the painting and the sculpting to apply it. So I switched my major halfway through undergrad and I became a set and costume emphasis in that department. What I loved about it was I was able to play every part because I was designing the costume 
Quarles designed the set that the actors worked on. So I got to create the world in a bigger way than being one actor in one corner of the stage. And so I applied to grad schools and I applied to Brandeis, NYU, and then UC San Diego for theater. And my mom was like, what are you doing? Why are you getting a master's degree? So when I landed in San Diego, they had this amazing program. They had the La Jolla Playhouse there and they sent things to Broadway. The Old Globe Theater was there. So I got to work with all these amazing people. And there was a program that kind of gave me a home. And then I started getting work calls in Hollywood while I was still trying to be a costume designer in San Diego because they needed someone who could build things for shows. And I had these skills. I'm like, well, just, okay, you do that for to make some money. And that became like an, an area I didn't know what existed. I didn't know they hired people to beat up clothes. And when I did my first union show, it was Galaxy Quest with- um, I love that movie. Tim, Tim Allen. It's hysterical. I, it still holds up. And I was on it, but they needed people to make all these like alien costumes and all these specialty things. So there weren't that many people in the guild and the union that did that. So I got in with four other people because they needed people who had those skill sets. How has the, I guess as we're talking, the Writers Guild is still on strike in Hollywood. How's yeah. that affecting what you do? Oh, it's affecting everything. And the actors may go out on strike in a week or two because their contract's up at the end of June, as long as, as well as the Directors Guild. The Directors Guild, they think they have a deal, but they haven't ratified it yet. So it could still go south. And the AI thing is a huge issue. And the writers have a massive amount of legitimate gripes and complaints and issues. And does this mean, does that mean that stuff you've worked on is, is on pause basically? Stuff that I, I did the thing with Clint and we weren't, it was a script already written. Clint doesn't really rewrite, he kind of shoots the script as is, he likes it. He often shoots the rehearsals so it gets done under budget and under schedule. But um, the writers are basically trying to shut everything down in Hollywood. So if they get wind of a film or TV show happening, they go picket it. So we don't cross picket lines. That has not happened to me yet. I've just started these new projects. We'll see um, if the right if the actors go out on strike. That's going to stop almost everything. So every you know every creative practice, I think, is somewhere on the spectrum between art and craft. So what you do, what do you, how do you consider? Is consider it a craft and art somewhere between? I tell people it's a mixture of science and cooking. It's like you you get your dye recipes, but then you have to kind of adjust it because the water temperature varies. The water chemistry varies from place to place. Sometimes there's chlorine in it. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's fresh water. Sometimes it's stone water. Um, there's no set rule for doing things. It's, it's a craft because you have to know how materials work. You have to know not to get wool wet and then shrink it. You have to know how to use the right chemicals per fiber content. Uh, there's chemicals that, there's dyes that work on certain colors, uh, certain fabrics, and there's vibrant colors and there's not so vibrant. So you have to know how to use all that. But the, the more you know, the more you can mix all that. And bottom line, to break things down, if you use water, fire, uh, 
abrasion, those kind of things work great, but you have to know how to use that. What is the experience like for you of watching a movie that you worked on? Are you able just to like enjoy it for what it is or are you looking at the costumes the whole time? Oh, it's really hard. Um, you go to the cast and crew screenings and like I just did Guardians of the Galaxy 3, it just came out and we went to the cast and crew. And I'm so nervous because my whole, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, did we tell the story right? Did they get this? Did this make sense? Did, was there an edit that took out that? I don't know if they saw the blood right. I don't know if they did this. And then you have to see the second time when you can just go, oh, okay, I, I, it's fine. But it's hard for me to be objective about the work I do because I'm, I'm like, I was hiding behind that column over there and with the bucket of blood waiting to go out there and you remember all that. So it's very visceral and emotional for me to relive that, but you also want to feel an audience with you. So you want to see how are they getting it? But sometimes you'll work on projects you're so damn proud of. You're like, I can't believe I got to work on that thing with these people. And even if the show is awful, you meet people on the show and you have, you find things in it that were good. Like maybe there was a technique I learned on how to break something down or how to repaint something. And you learn from your fellow artists, like they bring in like, oh, I do this all the time. Oh, that's so great. How'd you do that? I worked on the fourth Indiana Jones movie and it was in the jungle in um, Hawaii, we're filming. At one point there's a tank driving by and Harrison Ford is sitting on the tank and he's dressed as Indiana Jones. And he looks at me, gives you the little heads up kind of thing. And for a moment you're like, Indiana Jones said hi to me. So it's like, it's, it's still magic. Whenever my wife and I see a movie in the theater, we always stick around for the credits. For one thing, these days movies often stick in an extra scene at the end. But it's also awe-inspiring to see just how many people it takes to create even a small indie film, much less a superhero movie bursting with special effects. I've always wondered what it would be like to see your name scrolling across the screen and know that you are a part of such a massive undertaking. Jack Taggart knows. Like so many others, and not just in show business, he spends his days getting the tiny details right so the larger project looks seamless. As he said, if he does his job well, you'll probably never notice. That's true of millions of professionals in thousands of fields. Maybe for a moment, Jack Tiger can stand for all those workers who are criminally underrated and undernoticed. Thanks to Jack, next time we watch a movie on the big screen, I'm going to pay special attention to how the costumes look. And when we sit through the credits, I'll be searching for his name. Southbound is a production of WFAE in Charlotte. Our main theme music comes from Josh Turner. You can listen to this and other episodes of Southbound on the NPR One app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe for free to get each new episode sent to you when it's ready. You can also find Southbound on WFAE.org, where every episode has show notes with more information on that week's guest. See you all next time. Thanks for listening.